0: The following is a presentation of Genesis. Genesis is a place where you are invited to begin, belong, and believe. To find out more, visit us on the web at genesisthejourney.com. Hey, welcome to uh, Genesis. My name is Michael. If you are uh, here for the very first time, uh, we're glad you found us. Not sure how you did, but we're glad you did. And uh, our hope uh, in you coming, whether this is your first time or if you've been coming for a few weeks or even a few months, is that uh, you would be connected with this, uh, uh, certainly with uh, our Creator, that you would be connected uh, with God in relationship uh, through His Son, Jesus, and uh, secondly, that you would be connected in a meaningful, significant way uh, with this community. So, um, our, as you come in every Sunday night, we always put stuff on your seat. And what's always amazing about that is it always finds its way underneath your seat, so the very next week we're just putting the same things back on your chair. Um, we're gonna keep annoying you with more information and things on your chairs. Um, there was an orange called card called a get connected card and uh, that's our way, our attempt of trying to say we wanna help you get connected. So uh, whether it's uh, connected in a more meaningful way on Sunday evenings or through our life group communities that meet throughout the week, um, fill out one of these cards so that we can follow up with you and get to know you and uh, allow you to get to know us and uh, this community. Uh, One of the things that's happening uh, right now within Genesis is uh, we started um, a discernment process of asking the Lord, uh, God, ultimately, what are you doing uh, with this community called Genesis? Uh, And one of the questions we're specifically asking is, uh, does the Lord desire to take Genesis and uh, plant us uh, as a standalone or a separate uh, church uh, from where we currently are? Uh, Right now, we are um, a community that is part of the Hope Christian Church community, And uh, over the last, um, or actually beginning in September, uh, we've started a discernment phase or period of asking God, do you want Genesis to be a church that would be planted in uh, a different community than, say, here in Winchester? Uh, So when you came in tonight, uh, you're going to see a lot of these cards over the next few weeks uh, and months, actually. It just says Genesis Church Plant with a big question mark on it. One of the things that we really would love and value is uh, your voice uh, speaking into this process. So uh, this is uh, your opportunity. We're going to have a few different updates over the next few months, uh, but these cards are our attempt to uh, help maybe answer any questions you guys have, any comments, any feedback, any concerns, uh, any things that you're thinking about uh, in regards to Genesis as a potential uh, church plant uh, sometime uh, in... 2009, whether that's spring or summer or next fall, we're not sure. Um, but to please uh, speak into this process, fill out these cards with your questions, and uh, the task force that is kind of working on some things right now uh, is going to be uh, taking a look at your comments, questions, concerns, and um, uh, so please uh, take the time to fill that out. Um, so a couple months from now, we're going to be voting on a new president, uh, I think November... What is it? November 12th? Oh, that's what it was. It's Krista's birthday on November 12th. I just wanted to give a shout out to Krista there. Um, So it's starting to ramp up, right? You see the commercials all over the place, uh, whether it's commercials for or against uh, Mr. Obama or commercials uh, for or against uh, Mr. McCain and uh, those that are with them. And one of the things that... um, just gets real old. I don't know if it gets old with you, but it gets very old and annoying to me. Is just how they always rip each other apart, and they you know are always accusing each other of they said this but they did this, or they did this but they said this. And um, there's the phrase uh, they're always flip-flopping. I don't know if you have ever heard that, but uh, politicians uh, they maybe two years ago had this view or this understanding of a policy, but now that um, they're in front of a different crowd or in front of a different audience. Uh, they've flip-flopped and are saying something or thinking, uh, just doing something different. So uh, it gets old. Uh, Politicians flip-flop all the time, and it gets real annoying. Uh, And it's easy for me to look at them and be like, why can't they just make up their mind and say what they mean and mean what they say and just do it and stick with what they're saying? Um, But if I look in the mirror long enough, um, I do the same thing. I flip-flop a lot, Uh, not necessarily intentionally, uh, but sometimes depending on who I'm standing in front of or depending on uh, who I'm with or the environment, circumstance that I might uh, find myself in, uh, it's real easy to act one way in front of one group of people and easy to act another way uh, in front of another group of people. Uh, We accuse politicians of flip-flopping all the time, but uh, how would you... uh, hold up to that accusation uh, yourself. Uh, I think all of us would have to say, yeah, I've, I've flip-flopped before. Uh, I've said one thing and uh, I've done another thing. Or if I'm around my maybe church friends, um, I act a certain way. If I'm around my work friends, I act another way. If I'm around my social friends, I act another way. And um, we live a very fractured lifestyle. And one of the things that uh, we're doing with this series that we are in right now called DNA is uh, it was our heart's desire to say, we don't want to live a fractured life. We don't want to live a life that is compartmentalized. Where I act one way, I, I live one way, just depending on who the audience is that I'm standing in front of. Um, if you've done that before, you just it gets old real quick. It gets old real quick. And three of the questions that we're asking in the midst of this series, um, very specifically to help us, avoid the pitfalls of living a fractured lifestyle are uh, who am I? Who are, not me, but who are you? Who are we? Uh, Who are you as an individual? What does it mean to be human is what we're initially asking. And uh, to ultimately know thyself, you have to know your creator. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been asking that very question, who am I? We looked at what it means to be an image bearer of God. How do I live my life in light of The truth, the reality, the fact that I bear the image of God in my life. Uh, In a few weeks, um, I think two weeks from now, we're going to switch the question from who am I uh, to who are we? Uh, We are created to be in community. We are created to be in relationship. So who are we uh, as a community? And then we're going to finish off the series a few weeks uh, from there uh, asking the question who is he? Who am I? Who are we? And who are we? is he. And the he is a capital H there. Uh, ultimately, who is God? There's a very challenging verse in scripture that says, be holy. Uh, therefore, as I am holy, be holy in all that you do. Our hope with this DNA uh, series was, how can we not live compartmentalized lives? How can we avoid living a very fractured lifestyle, flip-flopping back and forth, one way in one set of friends and a different way in in a different circumstance, it's just not the way that we were invited, called, created uh, to live. But if we're honest with ourselves, I would venture to say a lot of us are living very broken lifestyles. And I don't mean broken from pain, I mean fractured. And I just want you to know that is not the way that God has invited and purposed and called you uh, to live or called me to live. I mean, there's just not much joy in living a life that is ultimately fractured because it gets very confusing. I don't know if you've ever literally confused yourself like, I don't know how I'm supposed to act around this environment. Know yourself as an image bearer of God. And last week we talked about sin and how sin just messes up the whole equation of who we are. It kills our connection with God and ultimately with ourselves and with other people And then tonight, I wanted to very specifically uh, take a look at the significance uh, of your mind. The significance of your mind and how it impacts who you are and how it impacts, ultimately, uh, how you live. Let me uh, pray for us as we're going to open the scriptures together and just see uh, what God's Word would have to say uh, in regards to our minds and uh, how He's called us to live with our minds. Father God, I... I believe uh, that your scripture, your story, the Bible, is living, it is active, and it can speak to the heart and soul of every man and of every woman in this place. And to that end, we pray that tonight, because your word uh, has been opened, your word uh, will have been read, that uh, we would be different. Father, we come in uh, this place tonight uh, from different places, different backgrounds. Our stories uh, vary. Uh, But ultimately, Lord, we have one thing in common. Uh, We need you. And so, Father, tonight, if there's uh, anyone in here who doesn't know you in a real way, in a personal way, doesn't know you as father, as friend, uh, ultimately as savior, uh, God, tonight would, let tonight be the night uh, where decisions would get made uh, to live lives for you in relationship uh, with you. Father, for those who have begun that journey uh, of walking with you, of living for you. Um, Might you give us some insight, uh, open our minds as we talk about uh, the mind and and the gift you've given us uh, with the minds you've given us. Um, So Father, please uh, be loud in this place tonight. Let your voice be uh, clearly heard, understood, and uh, let us as a community uh, respond to what you have for us in this place. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Think for a minute, if you will, what do you think about most? What do you, uh, what kind of consumes your thoughts? Just think back maybe just to the past week. Actually, you probably can't go that far. Think back just to today. What did you think about most today? What tended to consume, um, we're thinking all of the time. I was uh, doing some reading and some research just into the thoughts and minds and the brain and how it all works and I didn't understand about 90% of the things I was reading. But one thing caught my attention uh, and it's the National Science um, uh, Service uh, Foundation came out with a study a few years back and this shocked me. It might not shock you, but it shocked me in that uh, uh, on the average uh, day, uh, one human being you, being me, will have X amount of thoughts. Anyone want to take a guess at how many times we think a thought during the day? 10,000, a million. Well, that would be some serious thinking going on there. All right, somewhere between 10,000 and a million is uh, 50,000. That is uh, what um, this National Science uh, Service Foundation came up with. If you think about that, 50,000 thoughts per day. Now, you think, by the way, in your uh, waking hours as well as your sleeping hours. Uh, So we are thinking all of the time. So with the roughly 50,000 thoughts you have every single day, what are you thinking about? It's a lot of thoughts. I mean, just think about how much you've even thought about since you've been in here. I mean, literally hundreds of different things you are thinking of why does the room look like this? Why does you know, why is Michael wearing that tonight? Or, you know, I mean, all of these things. What is it you think about most? Because you're thinking all of the time. I would venture to say that uh, for me personally, a lot of my thoughts are uh, pure nonsense. <laughs> Living in fantasy. Maybe 10,000 of my 50 are just given over to just, I don't know, nonsense. Maybe more. Um, how about... A lot of thoughts may be dwelling in the past, and if you dwell in the past, thoughts of guilt and shame and um, even maybe just pain that comes along with uh, things you've done or things you've had done to you, or maybe thoughts about what's tomorrow, thoughts about your future, whether it's literally tomorrow being Monday, uh, or thoughts about what your life will look like six months, a year, six years from now. And typically, if you're thinking about the future quite a bit, it lends itself to things like anxiety, uh, fear, uh, worry. Um, How many of your thoughts are given over to just being absolutely critical and judgmental of other people and of yourself? I mean, how many of your thoughts tonight have been judgmental or critical of someone sitting next to you? From, I don't know, what they did, what they said, what they smell like? I don't know. 50,000 thoughts. What are you doing (laughs) with the thoughts that are coming to you 50,000 times a day? Uh, Again, I have no idea how they come up with these numbers, but uh, another scientist said that uh, 75% of our thoughts, which is roughly 40,000, are negative, are negative in nature. So if roughly you're 38,500 to 40,000 thoughts you have every single day are negative, what do you think your day is going to look like? If it's just one reoccurring thought after thought after thought after thought 40,000 times again and again and again and then again and again of just negative, what do you think your day is going to look like? See, what we think about, it matters. And I hope you're a little bit overwhelmed with, wow, I'm thinking a lot more than I thought I did. So this whole question, women, when you ask men, what are you thinking about? And they look at you with this look of like, I have no idea. It's true. We really do have no idea because we have too many thoughts going on. And it would be more appropriate to say, well, which thought are you looking for? Because I just had about a thousand run through in the last five minutes. I mean, we're thinking all the time, and what we think about matters because it shows up in the way we live, in the way we act, in the way we behave, in the way we react and respond to situations, people, uh, circumstances. Uh, and Jesus, um, he had a lot to say about the mind and uh, what we think about, and very specifically, if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open to Mark chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to give them away to you as gifts, um, Very cool Bible in the back. It's yours uh, to keep. But um, a religious leader comes up to Jesus and asks him uh, a question. And uh, he knew the Old Testament very well and knew that there would be uh, 613 Old Testament laws. And so he comes up to Jesus and says, I'm going to give my life to something. And I've given my life to following God. But there's so many laws in this Old Testament. If I was going to give myself to... One of them. Which one should I give myself to? And really, it's a great question. If you've never wrestled with what are you going to give yourself to, ask that question and discover what the answer is going to be. What are you going to give your life to? And Jesus, I can picture with a smile on his face and a very quick response, I'll tell you the one thing. Of the 613 Old Testament laws, commandments, I'll give you one. Because if you can do this, it will be a summary statement of the rest of the 612 of them, or 11 of them. And so Jesus says this to uh, this man. One of the teachers of the law came and and heard them debating, and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. And then he's about to um, uh, repeat the Shema. Uh, and if if you're from a Jewish background, a Shema is something you would say in the morning prayers and in the evening prayers. And it's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And <laughs> this guy... Uh, says, well said, teacher, the man replied. Uh, And I could be thinking, I imagine Jesus thinking, of course it was well said, it's coming from me. Um, To love, uh, verse 32, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. Uh, To love him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding and with all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. It's a really great question that he asks. I'm going to give myself to something. What should I give myself to? And Jesus says, give yourself to loving God. The totality of who you are, all of you. Love is not just an emotion, a feeling, this warm fuzzy thing. It's The total package of how God has wired you and designed you to love God with all of your heart, uh, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. Now, Jesus does something very interesting is he adds uh, a component here. If you were to read in Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6 says that we are to love God uh, with our heart and our soul and our strength. Jesus here adds we are to also love God with our mind. He adds a fourth thing, soul, strength, and heart, and he says, but you're to love God with all of your mind. I've been wondering this week, what would it look like to take my 50,000 thoughts and love God with each and every one of them? If I'm going to think something 50,000 times, what would it look like with every single one of those thoughts to love God? That would be a pretty phenomenal life. If <laughs> I'm going to give myself to something, I've made the decision, I'm giving myself totally, completely to loving God. That's my, that's my mission. That's ultimately what Genesis here is a community. Our purpose, why we exist, is to love God and to love other people. That's what we're giving ourselves to. That's what we're about. What would it look like? With all of your thoughts, all of your mind, to completely and utterly love God. Your mind is a pretty, um, it's an amazing gift that God's given us. I mean, you just think of the things that we've created, the things that we have designed, uh, the questions that we've come up with, and the answers that we have discovered. If you just look at the arts, if you look at medicine, if you look at science, I mean, it's just so amazing. I'm always amazed at what people are creating and thinking about. The circus. Have you ever been to a circus? Amazing. This last week, uh, for Kyla's birthday, we went to uh, Cirque du Soleil. It's like a circus on steroids. And you sit there for two hours thinking someone is going to die here. And I'm not sure if I should enjoy that or be completely freaked out. I mean, the things that these people are doing are absolutely phenomenal. And as I was sitting at Cirque du Soleil this week, I was just thinking it's amazing what someone's human mind has created. I mean, if you've ever been, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, just the design behind all of this. Highly, highly intelligent, highly, highly creative. It is such a gift that God has given us our mind, the ability to reason, the ability to think. What would it look like to take that gift that God has given you and to use it to say, I'm going to love you with all 50,000 thoughts that I have, with all of My mind. Well, that's where I want to go tonight. That's the question I'm going to reiterate again and again. What would it look like for you, for me, to love God with all of our mind? It's a great gift that God's given us. How might we use it to love Him? And I wanted to maybe answer the question of how do we do that by asking another question. And it's really this. It's, uh, would you be willing... In your pursuit to say, I'm going to love God with all of my mind, would you be willing to say, I need to have surgery on my brain? I need Another way to say that is, I need to have my mind renewed. Because I know what my mind void of God looks like. Very corrupt and uh, very sinful, very self-focused, self-centered, self-absorbed. Would you be willing to have your mind literally renewed? Romans 12 Let's uh, read this together. Romans 12 uh, says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Romans chapter 1 through chapter 11 is talking about God's mercy. It's talking about who God is and the greatness of God and what God has done to make it possible for us to have a relationship with him. So Paul says, in view of everything that God has done, in view of who he is, an appropriate, a healthy response to this God As I read those few verses, a lot could absolutely be said about Paul's challenge, command, exhortation here, but I I really want to focus on exploring um, the very specific command of be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you ultimately want to see true transformation, true change in your life, Paul is saying it's got to start with the renewing of how you think. It's got to start with the renewing of your mind. And ultimately, the consequences of not having a mind that is being renewed is that you will be conformed more and more into the image of this world, not into the image of the creator of the universe, in whose image you bear. So if you do not, if you make the conscious decision to say, I don't want my mind renewed, the consequence is you will continue to look more and more like the world around you. But if you make the decision to say, I want my mind renewed, I mean, the end of verse verse 2 says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 50,000 thoughts a day. If we're going to love God and see true lasting transformation in our lives, you have to ask God, would you please renew my mind? Now, before I ask, answer, I guess the question of how do we actually have our minds renewed, and what does that practically speaking look like, I do want to ask a question, why? Why would I want my mind renewed? Because you might be thinking, and I've been there and thought this I like the way I think. I like my mind. I like how I operate. I like the thoughts I have. I ultimately, I like my mind. So why should I want my mind renewed? Well, I'll be honest with you, and I hope you'll be honest with yourself, because before I came into relationship with God uh, through uh, Jesus, uh, I really was learned to think one way. And typically, my thoughts revolved around one person. Anyone want to take a guess? Yeah, me. I, just, I couldn't get enough of me. I couldn't stop thinking about me. I mean, have you ever thought why the commandment is to love others as you love yourself? It's because you're obsessed with yourself. If you put as much time into loving other people as much as you think and love yourself, you would be a phenomenal lover of other people. I mean, before I met God, I, could, I just thought about myself. I was the center of my world. I was the center of my universe. Very self-focused, very self-centered, very self-absorbed. It was ultimately all about me. Now, as I said, before I began a journey with God uh, years ago, my thoughts were also very independent of God. I didn't care what he thought. Why would I? If I'm not in relationship with God, why would it matter what God has to say? And ultimately, I came to the conclusion it doesn't, so I'll continue living my life with me at the center of all of my thoughts. Well, the problem uh, with that is I learned that if I don't really care about God, my capacity to care about really anything else besides myself is just not there. And after a while, if you haven't gotten there yet, you'll grow pretty sick of yourself. I mean, with you literally at the center of your world, uh, it's a very small world. And I just grew tired of myself. There has to be more to this life than just me at the center me being obsessed with myself. So why should I desire a renewed mind? Is There's just more to life than you at the center uh, of your life. And when I came to Christ, I remember someone sharing with me an incredible promise uh, that said, Michael, when you come and meet Jesus, you are a brand new person. You are a new creation, the Apostle Paul says. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, old is gone, and the new has come. I want you to hear this. You are not, when you come, when you begin a relationship with God, when you're in relationship with Jesus, you are not just a refurbished version of your old self. You are a brand new man, a brand new woman, not some just refurbished version of what you used to look like. You're a brand new person given a brand new mind. So if Jesus promises a new life, Fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, worry, bitterness, anger. Are those things still present in my life? If I'm in Christ, I'm told I'm a new creation, but the reality is God didn't wire me like a Mac or a PC. Like there's not like a delete button in my head. Over the last two weeks, I've had to reimage two different hard drives. A big pain in the butt if you ever had to do it. But your mind is, you can't re image and restore back to factory settings. That's not how God has, there is no delete button that you can press and get rid of all of the old stuff that you had before you met God. That's why he's saying, I don't want to just, you're not a refurbished version, but your mind will be renewed as a new creation. That's a big difference the renewing of your mind. Paul um, asked this question. If you have your Bible, open up uh, to Second Corinthians, um, or I'm sorry, First Corinthians, uh, Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2 says this. Paul's having a, a conversation with some folks who... Uh, are wrestling with God and um, what they believe and who they are. And uh, Starting in verse 14, Paul says this, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's basically saying, if you're not in relationship with God, if you don't have the Spirit of God that resides in you, there's going to be a lot of things in life that just don't make sense, especially when you start talking about spiritual things, when you start talking about God. That's why when I hear people tell me, well, there's a lot of things I need to figure out before I can make a decision to follow God. I'm like, you are not gonna understand a lot of things about who God is and who he's calling you to be until you begin a relationship with him. This is what Paul is saying. In verse 15, he goes on, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. He asks a question, he's quoting Isaiah. He says, for who has known the mind of the Lord? That he may instruct him. Paul then says, But we have the mind of Christ. It was Paul's way of saying in verse 16, Who has known the mind of the Lord? Paul can say, I can. Why? Because he has the mind of Christ. When you come and meet Jesus, you have his mind, you think his thoughts. That's the whole thing of renewing your mind. So the question, I guess, is do you have the mind of Christ? Not are you working towards having the mind of Christ, because if you're in relationship with Jesus, then you have been given that mind. Do you have the mind of Christ? Now, practically speaking, what is it ultimately, how do you live out the mind of Christ in everyday circumstances or conversations? What would they look like? Now, I don't know about you, but my mind, if you're thinking 50,000 times a day, it goes pretty quick. Have you ever found yourself thinking, you're like, how long have I even been thinking this, and where did this thought even come from? Like, it just happens so quick. Sometimes it's good things you're thinking about, and sometimes it's evil things you're thinking about, but you could be five seconds in, five minutes in, and how did I even get in this line of thought? Where did this come from? How did this happen so quick? Well, Sometimes those thoughts are just kind of random, weird and goofy, but a lot of the time those thoughts could be, you ever just you've been judging someone and you didn't even know that you started judging them and you're five minutes in and you've totally torn that person apart or criticized someone?" I mean our mind ultimately works that quick. Um, so if there's nothing I can do maybe to control those thoughts, it just happens. That's our typical uh, response is I can't control my mind it just Happens so quickly. Lust. Does it take 10 minutes, 10 seconds, or 10 milliseconds? You see someone, guys, you see someone, girls, and you start lusting. Do you think about it for 10 minutes, thinking, hmm, should I think about that? Should I walk down that road? Or does it happen so quickly that you're lusting before you even know it? How about maybe uh, judging someone else? 10 minutes, 10 seconds, 10 milliseconds. How about criticizing someone else? 10 minutes, 10 seconds, 10 milliseconds. Do this with anything, worry, anxiety, guilt, fear. Do these things take time to process or do they happen so quickly that you're doing these things before you have time to stop them, so to speak? Well, if you're in relationship with Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. And what that ultimately means is When we see Jesus in the Gospels, his mind is bent on loving people, serving people, certainly forgiving people, uh, cherishing, honoring, uh, building people up. Is there anything, as you hear that list of what Jesus would do for people, I would love to be able to do that. I would love to have all of my thoughts geared towards loving someone else. All of my thoughts geared towards serving someone else building them up encouraging them forgiving them being generous i mean it doesn't it get old of the same patterns of of lust or judgment or criticizing or just anxiety worry things that uh, i've mentioned well if you're going to get to the place where you truly take on the mind of christ you have to be you have to have a relentless commitment to say god i want my mind renewed i don't just want a refurbished version of of my old self, I really want God to have my mind ultimately renewed. And I wonder, would you make that your prayer tonight? If you don't know God yet, then it starts by asking Jesus, uh, begin a relationship with Him, so you can have the mind of Christ. From there, it says, "Will you renew my mind, God, so that I truly will begin to think like Jesus, not just?" My old self. Well, the question that I've asked, um, if I'm really thinking as much as science tells me, I'm thinking, how can I take all of those thoughts and say, God, I want to love you with each and every single thought that I have throughout my day? Waking, hours, sleeping hours. Mind of Christ, a renewed mind, a relentless commitment to say, God, this is another day. I need you to re- renew my mind. It's not a one-off thing. It's a, every single day. God, renew my mind this day. And I want to just finish with two uh, quick thoughts. A renewed mind, practically speaking, how can you do this just throughout your day? When you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, when you go back in your roommate situation, your house situation, how can you apply a renewed mind to every moment of every day so that as best you can, you can start a journey of loving God with all of your mind? Because if you, if you don't love God with all of your mind, how do you make the decision which part is going to love God and which part's not? Who makes that decision in the first place? I mean, this is we're trying to get away from a compartmentalized life, a fractured life. All of my thoughts for all of you every single day, every single moment, every single conversation mind of Christ, a renewed mind, a relentless commitment to that. And then the last two things I'll finish with is a uh, renewed mind, it's, it's got to be controlled by Christ. It has to be a mind that says, this mind is going to be controlled by Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this, we demolish arguments. Paul is again uh, talking to the uh, church in Corinth. We demolish arguments in every pretension Pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So if there's anything in your life that's just opposed to the knowledge of God, you say, I'm not messing with that. You demolish those things. He's using very military terms here. We're going on the offensive. We're not just going to try and defend our minds. We're going on the offensive with our minds. So anything that is setting it up, setting itself up against God, who he is, his thoughts, his heart, we demolish those thoughts. And then he goes on to say, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought, we take it captive to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I learned something new this week. Uh, My wife was reading some stuff in um, Oswald Chambers' uh, devotional, uh, called My Utmost for His Highest, and it just happened to be uh, on Monday or Tuesday of this week. And um, one of the things I'd never really realized or thought about in this passage, usually when I've heard this phrase, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ, I have always applied that to things that are maybe shameful or secret or sinful, like lust or judging other people. Yeah, take those thoughts and don't do them, making them obedient to Christ. I missed a a pretty important word that Paul said, every thought. Every thought you have, take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. That even means some of the good thoughts that you have, some of the good ideas you have. I'll just be clear and say not every good thought you have is a godly thought. Not every good idea you have is a godly idea. How many times I've started to run with what I thought was a good idea and never stopped to ask, is this a godly idea? I didn't take that thought captive. Why? Because I thought it was good. It says every thought, whether it's sinful, secret, shameful, whether you think it's good or every thought you have. So practically speaking, what does that look like to take every thought captive? It could just be a very simple question. This thought I'm having, Jesus, is is this a thought that's loving you? And if it's not, I don't know, maybe stop thinking it. And if you're having a hard time, it's like a reoccurring thought again and again and again. Go backwards and say, I have the mind of Christ, I'm committed to my mind being renewed. And these thoughts that I'm having, this is not a thought that is loving God, it's not loving to myself, and it's not loving to others, so don't think it anymore. Now, I'm not saying this is like a magic, it's, it's one day, it will. it's a process. Expect, if you're a person who's believed a lot of lies about God, a lot of lies about yourself, and a lot of lies about others, there is no delete button, as I've said. So it's a process of your mind being renewed, not believing the lies about God, you, and other people. Every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ. So a renewed mind is a mind that loves God, it's controlled by Christ. And then lastly, um, actually I want to share one verse with you that I missed. This is Ephesians chapter 4. I shared this uh, a few weeks back, uh, but it says this. Start in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If we're going to get what it means to be and live in, as an image bearer of God, we've got to get our heads figured out. We've got to get our mind of Christ Our mind's renewed, every thought captive to Christ. And then lastly, a renewed mind is a mind that looks up, not around. It's a mind that looks up and not around. Um, This is Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read about nine verses. So uh, as you listen, I don't know if this will be on the screen or not, but uh, chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Verse 2 again. Set your minds on things above. If you're going to have a mind that's renewed, stop looking around and start looking up. You have to start Looking up with your mind. Letting your mind go upwards vertically, not just always drifting horizontally. Then in verse um, 4, he goes on, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Then these are things that we can think about, but Paul says, Put these things to death in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, how much of your 50,000 thoughts are given over to those five right there? Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in life, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. How many of your thoughts are filled with uh, your 50,000 are comprised of this list? Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Renewed mind looks up and not around. It's easy to look around. It's so much easier to look at someone else and always say, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. At least I'm not as messed up as that girl. That's why we like to look around. But Jesus is saying, if you look up at me, the question is not, how do you look to the person sitting next to you? How do you look when you look at me? A renewed mind has to look up heavenward, not just to the here and uh, to the now. Jesus says, but you, are you becoming like me? Don't worry about, are you becoming more or less like the person sitting next to you? Because you'll always find someone to make yourself feel just a little bit better about you. You can always find somebody. But Jesus, are you becoming like me is the question. Well, we have a a choice uh, to make. We can control what we think about. I really believe all 50,000 of our thoughts we can start to get a handle on. Why? Because I believe that because of Jesus, I have his mind now. And as I get to know Jesus more and more and more on my journey with him, I'm beginning to think his thoughts. I'm not even close to arrived, but I see it shown up. The mind of Christ, a renewed or relentless commitment to having a, a mind that is being renewed day in and day out, It's a mind that's controlled by Christ and a mind that uh, looks up and uh, does not look out. I started by uh, asking the question, um, the flip-flopping thing, do you do that? Broken life, fractured life, compartmentalized life? And I'll go back and finish uh, there. How I think... um, the thoughts I have, my mind impacts the way I live. And if I, if we can begin to say, I want to really truly have the mind of Christ, renewed mind, controlled by Christ, and ultimately a mind that's looking heavenward, not just looking at the here and now. I do that. A fractured life is just, it's just not possible. Because I've made the commitment, I'm going to take all of my thoughts that I have in my mind, all 50,000, them, and I'm going, to, I'm going to love God with each and every one of them. That would be my heart for you. It's certainly my heart for myself is that when Jesus answered, asked, answered the question to the guy who said, if I'm going to give my life to something, what should I give it to? And Jesus said, love God with your heart and your mind, your soul, and strength. I want to love God with every single one of the thoughts uh, that I have uh, day in and day out. God is uh, glorified. Uh, He's pleased when we use our minds uh, to learn about Him, to learn about His ways, His heart, uh, and His world. Uh, R.C. Sproul is an author, teacher, commentator, uh, and he said this, God has made us with harmony of heart and head, of thought and action. The more we know him, I want you to catch this thought because it's, it's a very, uh, lack of a better adjective, a very cool thought. The more we know him, the more we are able to love him. And the more we love him, the more we seek to know him. To be central in our hearts, he must be foremost in our minds. The more I seek to learn and know God, the more I love Him. And the more I love Him, the more I want to know and understand God. Using your thoughts, every single one of them, to love God, uh, to honor God. I'd finish with, um, I guess, a, a last challenge is um, God has uh, revealed us to Himself to us most clearly in the person of Jesus. But he's also revealed himself um, through his, his story, otherwise known as the Bible, Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. And I know for me it's, is, um, I'm a different person when I'm not wrapping my mind uh, around what God has spoken to me, spoken to you uh, in the Bible. And so this is a plea, uh, spend time with God in his story. Spend your life living and walking with Jesus. And spend time investing your mind and your thoughts in God's story. Another uh, uh, author, uh, his name is Richard Foster, um, said this, Here's a path for loving God with the mind. We read the Bible in earnest, not from a uh, sense of religious duty, but because we long to return again and again to the primal source for understanding what life with God is like. I want to go back again and again to his story so I can again and again remind myself of what life with God is like. Because I quickly forget. Tonight, uh, as we would uh, finish, I just want to give you some moments to be still, to be quiet, And as best you can, find a place of peace, of slowing down the thousands of thoughts you're having right now. And ask God, would you renew my mind tonight? Might you renew my mind in this place tonight? And if you're here and you have yet to know God in a personal way, it begins with knowing Jesus. Making the decision to follow Him. And when you make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, Trusting that he is the only one who can make us right with God because of his sinless life, his death on a cross, which was paying the penalty for our sin, and his resurrection, you have his mind. If you do not have the mind of Christ, make that decision to say, Jesus, tonight is the night I want to uh, get right with you and get right with God. So your prayer might be uh, receiving Jesus tonight for the very first time. And if you've done that, it will be a prayer that says, might my mind be renewed this day? Every thought captive and a mind that looks up. God, would you uh, hear the prayers of those in this community tonight? Father we know that the mind is uh, tricky at best. Uh, it moves so quickly. We think things before we had time to even ask, should we be thinking them? Father, if there's someone here tonight who does not yet have the mind of Christ, let tonight be a, a decision would be made to embrace Jesus Christ. As Lord, as Savior, as the one who will make us right with God. And Father, for those, um, which is all of us in here, we need our minds renewed. All of us know what a mind focused on just self is like. So, God, we don't want a refurbished version of our old self. Might you renew our minds so that we will continue to grow in the image of who we have been created. Father, I thank you that Jesus, when he was confronted with this question, added a fourth category of loving you with heart, soul, and strength. But I thank you that he answered that man and said, and to love you, God, with our mind. God, might the rest of this day which is only a few hours. With our thoughts tomorrow and in the days to come, might we take all of those thoughts, direct them towards you, so that we would love you with every single thought. Genesis is a ministry of Hope Christian Church. We invite you to find out more by visiting our website at genesisthejourney.com.